So this is when I came up with the idea of just filming um, me learning something that I'd been meaning to learn for a long time. So I was I was messing around in the garden on a skateboard to get away from writing my thesis and I thought I might as well just film this um, this little mini project. Mike Boyd is the master of learning things. His videos take you through a journey of mastering some really unexpected skills, which is quite inspiring. And with literally millions of subscribers following along, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. How did such a fascinating concept come to be? I am Alex, and this is Genesis. So, <laughs> you meet someone new, uh, you start talking, the, the topic about work and jobs comes up, and people ask, what do you do for a living? <laughs> What's your go-to answer at this point in your life? Uh, yeah, I struggle with this one. Do you tell people you're a YouTuber? It depends on who's asking. I, I try to make like a, a snap judgment on that. <laughs> like, if I'm like in a situation where I just don't want to talk about it, I'll probably say that I'm just an engineer or sometimes I say I make, I work in film. Um, yeah. But to be honest, I've struggled with this question for like four years now. <laughs> <laughs> and the aim of my response is to, is to nip the conversation in the bud and and to not talk about this anymore because uh, i because i don't want to discuss it at all um because it just ends it always leads to the same question and that question is how much money do you make yeah <laughs> so i just don't want to do it have you got any advice for what to say to end <laughs> this conversation immediately when people ask uh based on the responses that i have gotten so far in this podcast uh, you can usually be like, oh, I'm a journalist. Oh, I make documentaries. Oh, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I work in making films. I work in online video and just avoid the world YouTuber at all costs. Because you, you are right. I don't know what the hell is it uh, with this specific job that uh, makes the, the whole taboo about money go away and suddenly everyone is super interested in directly asking how much money you're making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean so you're kind of suggesting like a play on on the truth like mm -hmm. you know would you say like oh i'm a kind of like a video games journalist that in itself is interesting yeah i mean i'm, I'm not against talking around the topic i just try yeah. to avoid the, the word youtuber because people tend to assume you're like a blogger yeah another thing people tend to assume is that we make far more money than we actually do <laughs> I mean, the, I remember I told someone, oh, I, I said, I'm just going to be truthful. Oh, I'm a YouTuber. And they asked me, why, why are you driving uh, like a Skoda? And, and I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, it's a, it's a great car. And they were like, yeah, but aren't you like a millionaire? <laughs> and I was like, no, definitely not. Definitely not a millionaire. <laughs> I, I blame the news. Just always talking about like the, 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 the small group of millionaire YouTubers that do exist. But, oh boy. Yeah, but they're the tippy top of, of the pile. And it's like, you know, if you were a Wall Street trader, people would assume you're, you're loaded. But you're probably not. It's only, the, it's only the tippy top of the traders that are millionaires, you know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, when people ask what I do, the worst scenario is when I'm with someone that knows what I do and they are a witness to me trying to squirm my way out of answering the question truthfully uh well if if it's another youtube person it's highly likely that they will know exactly why you're doing it yeah they understand <laughs> so let's go 
to the absolute beginning. Uh, where were you born? So I was born where I currently live, which is Dundee, um, on the east coast of Scotland. I, I remember checking it once because you made a video about it, and it's not exactly a huge city. So no, no, it's it's a little bit out of the way. Yeah, I mean, when people when people ask and I, where I live, I kind of just say just a little bit away from Edinburgh <laughs> because people haven't heard of Dundee really. How how was your childhood there? Yeah, I mean, I I it was a pretty normal upbringing. Um, I'd love to give you more fodder for the podcast, but really, uh, my uh, life previous to YouTube is is pretty normal. Yeah, I had a nice childhood. I went to two different schools, which I both enjoyed. Really enjoyed school. Really enjoyed being a child. So yeah, n there was nothing nothing to report. <laughs> How early in your life were you internet active, just consuming or reading stuff online? A little bit later than I think other people. You know when like um, MySpace and Bebo were like the thing? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember my friends were had to persuade me and even go as far as setting up an account for me uh, because I just I wasn't interested in it like the whole internet culture I was drawn to that much later in life really the first time I, I really fell in love with internet was was when YouTube started to pick up steam and I was like oh this is a this is a platform where anyone can make Videos, you know when YouTube transitioned from just 10 second clips of people falling over to people actually putting together reasonable made pieces of content. That's that's when I started becoming internet-y. But before that, I was kind of oblivious to the whole, the whole culture behind the internet. So you got started through YouTube. Like you, you weren't consuming other types of content and then that leading to YouTube. Like YouTube was the initial entering point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got into photography and then through just watching tutorials on how to how to operate a camera you know i started seeing that people were making videos that weren't just tutorials and weren't just funny compilations they were actually talking about something discussing something and i just fell down the rabbit hole of consuming that content uh, and it's something yeah it's it's like that amateur level content that i really fell in love with you know not the glossy highly produced stuff that you see on traditional media interesting do you remember any specific channels or people that you were following back then yeah there's this guy called ted forbes he does um a channel called the art of photography Welcome back, everybody, to another installment of Lens Days. Lens Days is a series that I'm doing where we talk about optics, we talk about lenses, and the whole idea is that the better that you understand the tools that you have, the better results in your own image making that you're going to get. I was into film photography uh, because I'm super hipster. Uh, <laughs> I still, I'm still into it. I love it. Uh, and he, he had a channel at that time that was really heavily focused on, on film photography. And um, yeah, I just watched everything he produced. I don't know if, if, if other people experience this um, like I do, but when they see something that they like, at first there's an interest in consuming that thing, like watching the videos, and then followed immediately after that is a desire to make something like that. I don't know if that's what it's like for you when you have an interest. Um, it's very I'm very rarely just a spectator. Like I begin as, as someone who just watches and then I myself want to copy and put my own spin on it. 
so that that's how i got started just by watching this guy um and i guess i guess that's the story that everyone will have yeah i mean most people take a little bit to transition from enjoying something to being like oh i, I wish i could do this but it seems that you were you went to that transition very quickly yeah as soon as soon as i got the idea that you know this was a one man show like he was writing producing filming that's what captivated me you know mm-hmm. um the 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 accessibility of youtube that i mean and that is that is the that's their that's their thing right accessibility like phone cheap camera tripod that's it that's all you need at what point like what was the point in your life when that desire to actually create something and in, instead of just watching actually coalesced into sitting down and doing it because a lot of people we, we think like huh ever since i saw one of your recent videos about making music i have been like oh I, i'm going to buy one of those and i'm going to learn how to do music too but as we all know there's a barrier between telling yourself that you're going to do something and then you know sitting down and actually doing it so when did you actually sit down and started doing it i think that barrier that you're talking about the issue is time mm-hmm. it's not maybe it's not um literally how much time you have it's 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 how much space your brain has to dedicate to something else. You know, if you're just flat out at work, then it's hard to like to to dedicate some of your brain space to learning something new or to picking up something new or to developing an interest in something new. But for me, I had the perfect conditions to do this because I was doing a, a thesis, um, a dissertation at university for a master's degree and i just could not be bothered sitting down and writing this thesis anymore it was during the summer so the weather was great and if you've ever been to scotland the summer is a short-lived experience so you want to make the most of it so it was great weather i was sitting inside programming and um typing meaningless words um and I, yeah, I needed like a creative, a creative break, something, something that wasn't uh, engineering for, for a little while. These two things, the, the interest to make something and the desire to dedicate some brain space to, to something creative kind of met at a point where I decided just to start filming a video. You started filming videos to, in a, a roundabout way to re- pronosticate on your dissertation, on your like final project thesis. Yeah, yeah, precisely, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm not one. I'm not one to speak. I definitely, I delayed my thesis a lot so I could screw around with some other personal projects. But but wow, that was one productive way of doing it. It turned out that way. It turned out productive, but it could <laughs> it could have easily been a complete waste of my time. okay yeah in retrospective we know it was a good bet but oof right okay so what did you wanted to make at the start did you uh, i'm assuming you just didn't want to make videos you had some sort of idea in mind yeah it's it's actually a kind of uh meandering way that i got to what i do so so i was interested in photography and just like i said i I watched photography videos and thought i want to make those but I didn't really have much to say about photography because I just got into it. Uh, you know, I'm not an expert at the time. 
and I'm not an expert now. Um, so, but the first thing I needed to do was learn how to edit video, how, how to put together a cut. And I think that's a barrier for lots of people when they get into something. There's a minimum that you need to be able to do and that's, and that's film and edit. So I thought I, I, need, a, I need a beginner project. To, I need some footage to cut up. Um, so this is when I came up with the idea of just filming um, me learning something that I'd been meaning to learn for 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 a long time. So I was I was messing around in the garden on a skateboard to get away from writing my thesis, and I thought I might as well just film this um, this little mini project, and that's what I used to put together an edit. And it's when I got into the editing process that I realized, ah, oh, this is what I like. I like editing. I like putting together a story. This is my strength in this whole thing. Um, and that's when my first video came about. I put it on, I put it online. It took a couple of months before anyone noticed it, but people eventually did notice it. And that's when things kind of took off. And then I decided, you know what? I suck at photography, but I'm good at telling little stories about what I'm up to. Let's focus on that. Okay, so the focus on storytelling through the learning process was something you realized in the post-production. And then you, you, you're you saying this started to pick up a little bit of steam in month two. Did you create any other videos in that two-month space? Well, I think it was like three or even maybe four months where it sat Oof. doing like literally zero views. You know when you put something online and unless you have some way to sort of share it around it, it, it can quite easily sit on youtube with with honestly like one or two views mm -hmm. um so it was in that state for a while and i had no intention of of showing it to people because it was a little personal project but i did think it was good and then just by chance it, it found its way onto reddit and kind of took off and that's when i decided yeah i think i'm going to make another one of these so it was it was after the initial sort of response from the audience that I decided I'm going to make more. Okay, so because that that one video was the extent of your experimentation on it, and it's only when it blew up later that you decided, oh, okay, maybe there, there's a, a, a future to this. Interesting. A number of the people that I have interviewed here actually got their initial traffic and that initial fire to get things running from being shared in Reddit. In fact, I'm one of those people. But I, I kind of wonder, like, what subreddit was that and more importantly when you actually got wind of this was happening did you check the comments did you check what people were saying on reddit how was that experience oh man i read every single comment like every single i was at work um so i had successfully completed my thesis and then went on to get a job in in that field i was hating life um so yeah when this went on reddit like, I couldn't believe it. I didn't even really know what Reddit was. Um, I, wow. I, I, understood, I understood that, you know, it was essentially a forum, but there's a lot more to Reddit than that. It's, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a rabbit hole in, it, in and of itself. But yeah, when it started blowing up, it's the first time I've ever had people look at something I've made. So yeah, it was, it was really nice just to, just to see people enjoying something that you've created. Uh, and I read all the comments. And, and was responding to as many as I could. Uh, and at, at that point, it was, it was very much like, a, oh, this is a one-off. Thanks. This, it's awesome that you guys enjoyed it. And then someone said, oh, you should make, you should make more of these. 
Uh, and I, I I didn't even understand what they meant by that because I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, what what else can I do? And then they suggested the format. It wasn't even me that came up with it. Why don't you just learn learn another thing? Oh, that's amazing. And that's that's it. That's how it started. That's crazy. 80, 99% of the time, um, some of the suggestions you get online are terrible. But there's like that 1%, that 1% that is so good that it just yeah. literally changes what you do in your life. Yeah, And totally. that was that 1%. Yeah. And you saw, you know, like other people thought that was a good idea as well because they were, they were, the way Reddit works is, you know, people are upvoting that comment. But as soon as I read it, I thought, you know, could I do that? Is that something that, could, well, how else would I, 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 it's amazing to me to look back in hindsight that it didn't, that that idea didn't come to me naturally. Like it took someone to actually suggest that, like that's the obvious way forward. But yeah didn't see it um someone else saw it for me that's amazing okay <laughs> you are sitting on your your first video becoming a bit of a hit and uh, you have this idea for a format that people were giving to you and you suddenly have to learn a new skill and go through the process again what was the second skill you picked up and uh, for, for video format and why i picked uh unicycling um <laughs> as the as the natural choice i don't know if other people have this this knowledge you, like when you see somebody doing something do you ever think i could i could 100 do that if i tried in, in this point in my life uh yeah. yes but that's that's a recent development <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know i knew that i could ride learn to ride a unicycle you know it's kind of like a, a biking thing i've been biking my whole life I am comfortable with like balance and I just knew that it, it that can't be that hard. So yeah. And then I thought, well, how much, how much is it? Cause at, at that time, you know, when you're so skint, cost is a problem. Mm -hmm. So the, the unicycle was 60 pounds, which is looking back is, is remarkably cheap for, I mean, if I could get away with spending only 60 pounds on the equipment for a video now, oh God, that would be a, yeah, that would be a dream come true. But 60 quid, I was like, oh, should I do it? you know that's that was like my disposable income for the month and then i was like okay yeah it's 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 doable so let's do it and yeah and people liked it again so it was when the second one sort of when people i mean it didn't take off like the first one but when people watched a sequel that's when i knew okay this is this is something i could really get stuck into sink my teeth into and, and i can start producing these on a regular basis so how long did it take for this to go from exciting project to I'm going to quit my job. I had already quit my job in my mind, like at 10,000 views on YouTube. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember walking around at 20,000 subs, which, you know, 20,000 subs is, is really hard to get on YouTube. Yeah. So anyone who's achieved that, I'm not knocking that, but I, I had 20,000 subs and I was walking around telling people like, yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting uh, I'm just got to get a couple of things in order and I'm quitting. Holy crap. Yeah, I, I was so bullish on the idea. Looking back, I was a little bit, because I actually had to go back to work. I quit and then was like, mm, this isn't quite as financially lucrative as I thought. And had to go back and get like a part-time job. But yeah, in my mind, this was my ticket out of here. This was my ticket out of the desk job. Yeah, I didn't have to think about it. I was gone. I, it was just a question of like, when and 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 how to actually type up my letter of res resignation and how to tell my mom and dad 
Right. Okay. Okay. Hold on. So two things. One, going back to the conversation we we're having at the start, you were living a little bit of that millionaire YouTube fantasy where it's like, okay, you know, I got my first hit. This is definitely going to make me a millionaire. So I might as well quit my job now. <laughs> uh, no, 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 it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was like, okay, I've got this first hit. If I cut back on all spending, I don't do any social activities and I sell my bike. I might be able to live off this. It wasn't like a, you know, dreams of making millions. It was dreams of not having to wake up every day and go into the office. <laughs> like I, un I fully understood that my income would be dramatically less. I had no, I had no misconceptions about, you know, money. It was, but it, it was like, I could survive off mm. doing this, you know? Uh, and that was all that mattered. And um, because, because I hated my job so much. So it's, it's less that this was good and more than I hate my current, the, the thing I'm currently doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was considering quitting my job and just, and just, you know, getting like a minimum wage job uh, and, you know, writing music or something. Uh, I, I have been on a, on a engineering desk job so i yes that, that, that lasted like a month for me so i i definitely i definitely agree i know where this is coming from yeah it's tough i mean when you go into engineer and you're like oh formula one nasa i'm going to be like i'm going to design the first you know lander for mars um and then it's the the reality is uh is different oh boy <laughs> i don't want to put anyone off but no 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 <laughs> it's but... a lot of excel Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> you you quit your job and then took a, a mid-time job, a, a part-time job in order to sustain YouTube. How long did that part of your section, that, that section of your life lasted? Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was a little bit tough. So I'd saved up, I remember I saved up £3,000 from working. And I thought, right, how long can I survive off that? Yeah, I handed in my notice and moved in with my then girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, in London. And yeah, and I didn't tell my mom and dad. I just, I just, I, they still, they still thought I was living in a completely different city, doing a completely different job. Oh boy. Um, yeah, they figured it out pretty quick, to be honest. I moved to London uh, with Kim, and then the savings just started hemorrhaging away. Uh, so I was like, right, I need to, I need to sort of. Uh, save the sinking ship if I want to prolong this. So then I got a part-time job. I was like an assistant at a college, so I was I was teaching engineering. So it's quite it was quite conveniently split up into very discrete terms, you know, semesters. Mm -hmm. So I said, right, I'll just do I'll do one semester, and then and then we'll see where we're at. And then the solution to the money problem was to move to Scotland, to move back home because London is just. Uh, a black hole for money yeah i was going to say that like i i understand the impulse of okay i'm going to move in with someone else so i can save up a rent but in my mind the idea of i'm going to try and stretch my income as much as possible and moving to london are like completely polar opposites <laughs> that's yeah, an expensive yeah. ass city i know i know but at the time i was 25 26 and i'd been with my girlfriend for hmm four years, five mm -hmm. years, and, and we'd never lived together. I, and yeah, it was just a, a longing to live 
to live in the same roof with each other. So, you know, yeah, there was an expense, but I hadn't lived in the same city as Kim for years. So yeah, we moved together. And then it was when Kim decided, right, I, I think I'm going to get a job in Scotland. That's when we went. She she was hanging on to the London idea um, for a little bit longer than I was. Don't, don't do London, kids. It's not worth it. No, I mean, I enjoyed London. I enjoy visiting London. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed living in London. I actually enjoyed Lon living in London more than I would enjoy visiting it. Um, but it's just this constant anxiety, this, this dark cloud over your head of how much everything costs. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to forget about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I spent a, a year and a, a, a about a year and a half ago. I spent a couple of months in London for uh, a thing that my girlfriend had to do for her job, and th that costed me like six months in Barcelona. Freaking insane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, before before heading into into, uh, I have some questions about moving back to Scotland. But before yeah. that, I really want to ask, like, how did your parents take the whole? Oh, I quit my job. And I'm trying to make YouTube work because I have been there and that ain't a pretty conversation usually. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you asked that because I thought they took it really well. I think they were trying to not upset me, but, but I later found out that they had spoken to Kim, you know, my girlfriend, and they were like, right, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, need to, you need to sort this out. And it was Kim, and this was all done in secret to me because, um, yeah, I think I would have been quite shattered if they, you know, had tried to, if they had done an intervention on me. But it was Kim who sat down with them in private away from me and explained, look, this is how it's worked. This is the plan. We're heading in the right direction. It was her that really made them understand what was going on um, and what, and that it wasn't just a whim. This was, this was kind of thought out in somewhat of a careful manner um so yeah it was her it was her that convinced them that you know i wasn't i wasn't nuts <laughs> what about you did like how did they take it for you um i had to massage it the, the the message into oh no 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 i have a business plan like this this is a, i'm approaching this as, as creating my own business but considering how uh, long it takes for a youtube channel to be sustainable yeah there were moments of concern and a lot of them thought, oh, you know, he's going through a phase and he's eventually yeah, that, just going to get another that, job or something. That term was thrown around a lot as well, a phase. <laughs> it's going through a, through a bit of a personal crisis. <laughs> How old were you when you um, oh, went full-time or, or, or sort of? That was almost six years away to the month soon. Uh, so I was like 24, 25. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Same so as it's me, it's it, a lot of people were seeing it as the out of university crisis, crisis of not knowing what to do with one's life, like yeah. a mid twenties yeah. crisis. But oh boy, so glad that that worked out. Yeah, you, I, I mean, you must be so happy that you did it, right? Oh God, yes. <laughs> I live in terror of having to go back to a desk job. <laughs> do you live in terror that what you have will? disappear one day uh i used to but not not really that much because i have uh, i have realized through the years that even if i make mistakes people still stick around and that's uh, yeah. made me extremely calmer about the whole thing what about you have you had any 
any crisis that this is all going to go away? Yeah, I mean, when something doesn't perform, you're like, right, that's it. That's the start of the, that's the start of the end. Um, <laughs> that was me last week. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and I've done that so many times and I always tell myself, you know, I'm not going to do this. And Kim, Kim sits me down and goes like, this video that you're away to release is going to be a slow burn. So don't expect a million views in the first two hours. And if it doesn't do that, don't freak out. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. I got it. And then, you know, it, it doesn't do as well as I would hope, even though I told Kim I wouldn't freak out about it. And I start freaking out. And I'm like, right, this is the end. So let's start, let's start preparing. <laughs> let's start applying for jobs. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I could be as calm as, uh, as you about it. Because, yeah, I freak out about it all the time. Just because it's so precious to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Before getting there, like, um, like, I really want to know two things. So the first is, if I now know how your parents were taking it and they were, they were talking to Kim about it, how did Kim take this phase that you were going through? Like, did, did it take a bit for her to be on board? Like, how, how, how did you convince other important people in your life? When you're in a relationship and one of you isn't happy, it's a very easy sell to say, look, I've got an idea that I think is going to make me happy and we will have less money, but I think we'll be happier. I mean, when I said that to Kim, it was, there was no, there was no question. I think even Kim was like, you should quit and you should do this. Yeah. Kim's never been like a materialistic person. Like I'm trying to get her to get a new car. She drives this like piece of shit polo. <laughs> it's terrible. She's never been you know, like, oh, you need to be successful. You need to, we need to have this. We need to have that. She's, she's always been, let's, let's be happy. Um, so when I brought around the idea that I think I would be happier if I did this, it, there was no, there was no pushing required. Fantastic. Then the question extends to once you moved back, how long did it take until you could at least confidently quit a part-time job? I quit my engineering job. Then I then I thought, right, okay, I've overestimated how much financial stability we have. Uh, so I went back to a part-time job and then and then it, it was a case of looking at spreadsheets and saying, right, okay, this is how this is going to work. This is the troughs, this is the peaks. And and working, you know, calculating everything with the the dips, the lowest possible, and having a more methodical approach. So then when I quit the assistant, I guess the job title is assistant lecturer, even though that's not really what I was doing. When I quit that job, I had a much more complete understanding of how to run a business. And, and that's when I was like, right, we're not going to be as well off, but we're going to survive. And, and, and that was the case. So yeah, it was, it was kind of understanding how things work in terms of what is realistic for you to produce, um, what is realistic for you to earn, and what can you live off that? Can you live the lifestyle that you want from that? So it was a very, from what I understand, a very methodical process. Yeah, a calculated process. And, and that's the way I would recommend anyone do it. I don't, I don't think anyone should just, you know, throw in the towel. I mean, I was lucky because I saved up that, that three, those, those 3,000 precious pounds. So I had like a, I had something to go back on. But I think you should be more methodical about it if I could go back. Regarding like the channel and the videos itself, what sort of changes or improvements did you make? to the art you were doing, to the videos that you were putting out that allow both the channel to grow and you to get to that point? What, what did you learn in the process? 
I learned that it actually took me a long time to figure this out. There was a lot of obstacles between the idea and me filming the idea. And mostly because it's because it was so anti-social what I was doing. I filmed a video about breaking wine glasses with my voice. And you can imagine that that's just a nightmare to be around anyone who's learning to do that. I never consider that. <laughs> I mean, I filmed that in my mum's house and I was just trashing glasses like in my mum's living room, screaming and, you know, looking for periods of the day where people were out of the house so I could do it. When things really, really changed for me is I went to visit um, Alex Steele, the blacksmith. Have you, are you familiar with his channel? Uh, I have heard of him. I'm not familiar with the channel, yeah. but I've definitely heard of him. Definitely worth a watch. Ch amazing, amazing YouTube channel. Welcome back. Today I want to find out if I can forge this $5,000 bar of platinum. As you might know, in the workshop I'm working on transforming this $10 pen into a $10,000 pen. And I want to make one of the components out of this. So I went to visit him because uh, we were doing a collaboration together. And he opened my eyes to let's get serious about this. I, I walked into this massive workshop and he was 19 at the time and I was greeted by his staff members and he was in his office and I was like, right, this guy, this guy is running a show. You know, he's, he's doing this properly. Um, he's spending all the money he makes on making things better. You know, I, like I've been messing around with waiting for the sun to be in the right position so that it casts a nice light through my window. Just get a fucking light, you know, mm -hmm. like just, yeah, I, but I've always said, oh, they're too expensive. But Alex Steele was like, well, yeah, I use it every day. So it's a different, a, a different approach to it. So I came home from that trip. I immediately, I remember Kim said that I came home like with a completely new outlook on how to do things. I came home and I thought, right, and we've, you know, the channel's doing okay. It's bouncing along at a, a sustainable amount of views. But what I really need to be able to do is to reduce barriers between me having an idea and me filming. So I need lights. I need a microphone. This little path took me to, I need to sign a lease on a studio. Oh, and wow. that's a big, that's a big step because that is like three-year commitment, lots of money. If the channel goes under, you're still liable to pay this rent for, for a long time. But yeah, get a studio. I know that's easier said than done, but I, I viewed like 50 places. I don't know. Every day, all I was doing was looking at places until it wasn't even a place. I was viewing a studio and then I was like, sorry, this isn't going to work for me, blah, 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 blah. And as I was walking out, there was like a, like a, just a, a large area in between two offices and I was like what's 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 this space and they were like oh it's just dead space like between these two offices and I said to them why don't I build a wall and separate this off and this this could be my studio and we came to like this negotiation where I essentially just built a studio in between these two office blocks and like installed radiators installed lights installed scaffolding and it cost so much money that was for me was getting serious about this going professional you know getting proper lights, getting a microphone, um, and signing a lease on a property. Wow. Did that pay off immediately or did it take a, a while for that to actually convert into a change of what you were doing? Uh, yeah. Originally, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't such a good idea. But 
with a little bit of work, like some paint, some acoustic treatment, uh, now it is like I cannot shoot anywhere else. I, I need to be in a studio. So yeah, I, I couldn't live without it anymore, you know? Yes. Wow. <laughs> and and I say this to people who I meet all the time. I know I know a lot of people from particularly Standard, the Nebula crew, I know a lot of them still work from home and I know, I know that uh, a lot of people don't actually require like lights, cameras, stuff like that. A lot of their work is research, but I would still encourage them to get a space. Even though it's horrendously expensive, the productivity you get from going out of your house into another space, which is dedicated for work, is immeasurable. So on the conversation regarding professionalizing and, and getting a studio and that changing the quality of what you do, do you think you you very correctly and smartly use the advantage of being in a place where maybe renting a working space is cheaper? I say that because it's interesting. I'm, I'm sort of making parallels between my own professional experience and something. I, I had an office. I had a, an office that I was sharing with another YouTuber. And then I moved to an apartment and I moved my production back into this apartment. And honestly, my content is being better in the apartment. Mm. Because like the space isn't that different, and I'm using way less money. But I live in a, in a, a city that, for the for the standards of Spain, is pretty expensive, especially this close to the center. Mm. So I wonder if this uh, there's an argument to be made as a creator to move to a place where space is cheaper, just so you can have on a studio. Yeah, I mean, for me, my family is important to me. So my brother, my mom, my dad. Um, I wanted to be close to them. And it just so happens that they live in a place where studio space is extremely cheap. <laughs> so it worked out for me. And I think I, I actually, after hearing what you were saying there, that you find that working in the apartment works for you better. I think I, I should probably rephrase what I said and and say, concentrate on doing whatever it is that you need to do to reduce the barriers to you creating content rather than think believing that you know, signing a lease on a studio is going to m magically make things better. For me, I needed a space where I can do stupid stuff all the time. It, it annoys people. I'm annoying to be around <laughs> because I'm always talking to a camera or trying something over and over and over again. Um, it's, it's incredibly frustrating to be around someone who's doing that. So a studio space was essential for me. Really, the philosophy was to spend money and spend time and effort into getting rid of those speed bumps that stop you making what you like making. Right. So now that you are in the position that you are and that you have refined your format so much, looking towards the future, what do you see as the exciting thing that you want to take your creations to? Like, is there anything over the horizon that any change, any new format, anything that just creatively interests you now? The interesting part for me is going to be stopping what I'm doing, as in stopping Learn Quick and moving to the next thing. And I'm not sure what that thing is, but the idea of, you know, stopping something that is lucrative now and works now and sort of jumping into the deep end to do something that you're not sure if it works that that is exciting to me and um 
we've kind of played with some ideas that haven't worked, but I think it's only a matter of time until we land again on something that, that works again. And I can't wait for that sort of reinvigoration of passion for the next thing. Um, I'm not sure what it is going to be. I've got a couple of ideas, but um, they're kind of half-baked. And considering that your current format is something that you reach almost by accidental experimentation, it seems logical that it will require some more experimentation to just get that feeling back again, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it needs. It's interesting that you say that because that's exactly what I've been thinking lately. You know, how to come up with ideas. Well, you need to dedicate space to that. You need to cut out time from your schedule to just do nothing, to be bored um, and to have dedicated time for experimentation um, knowing full well that it probably or might not work. Um, so yeah, you're, you're totally spot on. I need another experimental process to do that. Okay, excellent. Well, I, uh, I look forward to whatever comes out of that process. That's for mm. sure. Thank you very much for, for sharing your story with me. This has been extraordinarily interesting. Do you have any closing words for people who ha have found your work as a source of inspiration for their own creative journey? That any, any lessons that you learned the hard way that maybe could, you, you could save that pain to them? I'll do something because we haven't really spoken specifically about learning. Um, and I guess that's okay. probably what most people are interested in rather than sort of my process. So I would give my tip for learning something and that is smaller chunks of time more frequently. I find works for me. So like, I remember I, I did a Skillshare course where I said, you know, 45 minute chunks, but lately I've been experimenting with like 10 minute sessions, like even shorter sessions way more frequently throughout the day. And I, I think there's something in that. So if you want to learn something new, I think the sh a shorter session within reason more often. Now that that's obviously difficult to do because uh, it requires you stopping and starting many times per day but i think that uh, it pays dividends to to do that so um if we're talking specifically learning i think shorter sessions more often fantastic thank you very much thank you for having me it's been a pleasure <laughs>